Amen. Y'all got a little angel in y'all today. You got some, whoo. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. One of the saddest moments in the Bible. A young man comes to Jesus and wants to know how to inherit eternal life. The young man said to Jesus, I've kept all these laws. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I say unto you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with a man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. Then Peter said in reply, see, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And Jesus said, truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you have followed me, will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who, will, who are first will be last. The last, first. Lord God, today, I feel like your word is going to be heavy again <laughs> and then light at the end. So Lord, we ask that you would walk with us through it, that we might know you, might know what you want, might fall into a greater and deeper love with you. And Lord, even by the, the reading of your word, and the work of your spirit, that today we would be transformed, that we would think differently and be differently just from, just from a brush from you. So Lord, help us, help us to uh, be last, to Lord, to know what that means. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, amen. I don't know how often you're going to keep coming back to church because as we go through Luke, Jesus is just, he's giving it to us, isn't he? And it really has to do with this same thing. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 16. And for those who are visiting, we just, we like to just go through the Bible and just keep going. And we've been going through the book of Luke for a little while now. And we'll take breaks and have different series. But right now we're, we're going through the book of Luke and in Luke chapter 16, we see that 
Uh, already, uh, several times, Jesus has spoken about money, the rich, the poor, and his unfathomable love for the lost, for losers, for the lonely, even those who take advantage of others. All of these are of great importance to Jesus. Today, I'd like for us to uh, look at Luke. If you, if you don't have a Bible, you're going to definitely need one um, as we look at the scriptures today. They're in the back there, and be sure to grab one, take one home with you. Uh, and in Luke chapter 16, we see Jesus now uh, speaking to the Pharisees. He's had a crowd with him. Uh, and in verse 14 of chapter 16, we hear, we hear these words that uh, these are the, if you've got a black and red letters, these are black letters. This is uh, kind of the narrator speaking. It says in verse 14, the Pharisees who are lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. Remember last week, we had uh, this kind of wild story. Uh, and if, it, if you were to think about like a game at the fair, it would be the one where, they, uh, where they're hiding a ball inside a cup, you know? And, they're, and you're kind of going, what? No, what? What? What are you talking about, Jesus? And you say, oh, I think he's talking about this. And you pull it, and you go, nope, that's not what he was talking about, right? And so we really had to work through it and say, what is Jesus really saying in this passage? It's, it's difficult. It seems like he is praising someone for doing something that is terribly immoral. How could that be? But as we walk through it, we realize that what Jesus is saying is that we should use our, we should be as shrewd as the world and realize that our end is coming and that there is a bigger story and that there is an eternity. And in that eternity, our money matters presently for that eternity. And that, the money that we have, the things that we have now can be either, either invested in things that are temporal, ephemeral, that will cause us to actually go to the depths, or we can invest them in the things of God and see a heavenly welcome from those who have been blessed by what God has given us to give to others. And that we are to be stewards of those resources. And so as Jesus is saying this, we get down to verse 14. He's just told this parable of the, the dishonest manager. He's already talked about, <laughs> poor Pharisees, they're really getting hammered here. He, he talks about basically their, their unwillingness to see and care for the lost and that Jesus loves the lost so much that he leaves the 99 and he goes after the lo that one lost and that he, he wants his people not to be disgruntled older brothers. Remember the story of the prodigal son? He doesn't want them to be disgruntled uh, younger, uh, older brothers, but to embrace the, the wayward brother who's spent the family fortune. And the Pharisees are having nothing of it. And so it says here in verse 14, the Pharisees who were lovers of money... So this is really affecting him, all these stories, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. I don't see this word used very often. Like, they are really going out, they're making jokes about Jesus, and they're, they're calling him out, and they're, they're just terribly upset at Jesus. 
And what is the foundation? What's the source of this? It seems that, the, that Luke, as the narrator says, the problem was deep down, they're, they're, the reason they're so upset is because they were lovers of money. It's easy for us to look at the Pharisees and think about that, but here's the question that we have to answer today. Can we affix that title to you and me? Are we lovers of money? Nope. <laughs> Everybody says, I hope not. Let's see what, how the Bible talks about lovers of money. What does that look like? And so we go down to this parable. And if, if uh, last week was a parable of kind of a shell game, this parable is, is like at the fair where they have all those bottles you know, stacking up and you're supposed to throw something at them. You're given uh, 900 bottles with 900 balls to throw at them. So today, we've got a lot of information. More information than we can even deal with today. It goes beyond even talking about lovers of money, but it, today we're going to get some bonus footage where we see even what heaven is like. We don't see that very often in Scripture. If... Uh, somebody has to be my Elijah today, since Elijah's not here. Uh, he would be commenting even from the front row here that, yes, Jesus is going to talk much more about money than heaven. Uh, much more about money than, than the, the, the future to come. And here we have both of those together. And this is how our story begins. Jesus tells a story. We don't know for sure whether it's a parable or a story. Probably a parable. But let's look in verse 19. Now there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. How often? And at it, you're, you're doing good. Y'all are almost as loud as Elijah. <laughs> and at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. What might qualify as loving money? Can we stick that on you and me? This rich man is known by what he wore. Purple, fine linens. Fine linens means that even his underwear was really nice. That's what it really means. So like he was kind of a, like a peacock. I mean, he walked around, he had purple linens. This is something that you would wear if you were a king. And so he, I mean, he is dressed to the nines all the way down to his skivvies. And so he is, he is somebody. And he looks good. And not only that, not only did he wear these nice clothes, which were really much nicer than you would need. Purple is a sign of kings. He also feasted sumptuously every day. Every day was a cheat day for him. He just prepared. I mean, there takes a lot of work to, in, in this, that time to, to put all this together. And he would just eat well. But then, but then you have... This other guy, right? I mean, if you could do the flip of him, 
This would be this guy who's standing by the gate, who's not standing by the gate, who laid by the gate. Why could he not stand? Because there's something wrong with his legs. He couldn't move. He couldn't get around. And he's outside this man's gate. He's a poor man named Lazarus, and he's covered with sores. The rich man's covered with purple and fine linen. What is the poor man covered with? He's covered with sores. That's his clothes. That's what he's known about, known for. And instead of eating sumptuously at the table, he only desires that which would fall off the table for himself. And he doesn't even get that. What does the man eat daily? Oftentimes, nothing. What is this consolation? Is it the neighbor? His consolation are dogs. Probably dogs that have eaten from the table of the king. They get the scraps and they would come and lick his wounds. The stuff that would seep from his source. I know, disgusting, right? This is meant to be disgusting. The dogs licking up his wounds. The only, the only help he gets is from the like dirtiest creatures from the dogs. They lick his source. It's pretty bad, isn't it? This parable suggests that living lavishly and having a blind eye to those in need is antithetical to the kingdom of God. This man lives this way because he has pursued his self-satisfaction and in doing so he has become blind. He can't see the needs. Even he doesn't care about the needs. He has separated himself. He's left the man who is at the end of the gate. It is interesting, though, that as Jesus is telling this story, and if this is a parable, this is the only parable in which Jesus calls someone by name. And who does he call? Lazarus. Lazarus. <laughs> oh, there's something there, isn't there? Jesus doesn't... the. the who cares about the name of the rich man? But I want to tell you the story about Lazarus. Jesus has not forgotten Lazarus. Do you hear me? Jesus has not forgotten Lazarus. Verses 22 through 26. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, this is the rich man, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to go and dip the end of his finger in water and come cool my tongue for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, child, 
Remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted there, here, and you in anguish. anguish. Besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. This is where the music plays in the background and it becomes much darker. This man who has lived so well now finds himself at the end of days not living so well, but living, finds himself in Hades. This is the extra material that we get. That we, we learn that, that after our death, that we are going to go to a place, a place of waiting for that final judgment. And in that place, it will it will be much like, if not exactly like, the, the place that we will end up in. And there will be uh, uh, those who will be in the, in the bosom of Abraham. They will be at peace. They will be with the people of God, the great cloud of witnesses. And there, those things are well and good, for they are with the king. But there are those who will be in Hades, will be in another place. Not the Gehenna that the, the, the Hebrew Bible talks about, but Hades, this, this common place of the dead. And there in that place, it won't be a, like a slumber where you won't be awake. It isn't a, a kind of unconsciousness, but it is an active place of suffering. It is a horrible, horrendous place where this man begs if only he would get a little water to cool his tongue. This is not fun to preach about. <laughs> and there this man is in torment and will be in torment for all of eternity. <laughs> Do you notice though, he still has an attitude with Lazarus. Tell Lazarus, to come bring me something. You know, our hearts, I think, will be the same on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> or heaven as it is on earth. Why does the rich man go to Hades? Is it because... Economic disparity is a sin in and of itself. We saw that Jesus said that the rich man, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. There's lots of interpretations of what the eye and the needle are, but basically what it's saying is impossible. The rich, a rich man can't go into heaven. It's impossible. But Jesus says with him, all things are possible. Is it because all the rich are grouped together and are allowed into the kingdom of heaven? No, that's not the case. The real problem lies in the fact that by not caring for the poor, for being drunk with our own possessions and position, that we forget God's commands. Are you... Rich? 
Kind of, right? The Pharisees, when they hear all of this, right? The Pharisees were the common man's preacher. The Sadducees, on the other hand, were usually very well off, very well connected, and they, they didn't believe in an afterlife. So as they're hearing this story, they've got to say to themselves, why are you telling us this? The people you really want to talk to are the Sadducees. You see, because we're like the common man. We're like you, right? We're, we're not rich. And we believe in the afterlife. You're wasting the conversation. We'll pass this on to somebody else. Do you think Jesus had the wrong audience in mind? No. Pharisees, you too, even though you're not the wealthiest of everyone around, you're still lovers of money. So here's a caution to us. Even though you may not have the most money in Brenham, we have to be careful because we fit probably in the economics of the Pharisees. So this word is for us today. Are we so taken with our things, with our lifestyle, with the things that that lifestyle affords us, that we have become blind to the things that Jesus loves? Verse 27. And he said, then I beg you, Father, send to him, send him to my father's house. Who's him? Lazarus. <laughs> Leave Lazarus alone. For I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham. Why did he say no? Because he also had the prophets and the law. And he knows his brothers. They're more than likely just like him. He says, no, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And Jesus said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. What is the real offense of this rich man not believing the word of God? He doesn't believe this God of the law and the prophets, this God who loves the poor, this God who loves the person who is lost and far away. And if you can't believe the words there, even if someone shows up, you see it's something inside you that has not changed. And even if you see a miracle, it's not gonna change. So today we have the law and the prophets, but we also are blessed with something else, aren't we? We have got to see the one who is raised from the dead. Who was the first one raised from the dead? But it was Lazarus. Don't you think Luke has a little tongue-in-cheek here? This one who's died and passed away, even if Lazarus to come back to you, remember, Lazarus has come back to you already. But the ones who've heard this story already know Lazarus has returned. And do you believe after Lazarus? No. What about when Jesus returns? Did you believe Jesus? The answer is no. Even if the miracle of miracles happen, the resurrection, people still will not believe. Uh, 
this rich man desires a change for his brothers, a change that he himself would not, would not make. Few of the rich in this world will, will inherit eternal life. So let us pay attention to Jesus' words. Jesus is not saying then that we should have a life of asceticism. Asceticism says we just throw off all of the things that God's given us. Ecclesiastes would tell us something different. Ecclesiastes would say to eat, drink, and, and be merry, to enjoy the things that God has given us. That's a proper view of things and possessions. But if we use those possessions to oppress others, if we use those possessions and they become blinders to those around us, because what possessions does to us, richness does to us, it gives us a certain boundary from the things that are really difficult in life. They bring up a certain kind of comfort to us. And so it allows us to walk in different spheres, to not have to deal with the pains of hunger. So we don't skip meals, we enjoy meals and we enjoy nicer meals. And so we become blind. And in fact, you know, in our, uh, in our in sociological terms, we talk about the invisible poor in our communities. Like in the U.S., we have the invisible poor. You know the invisible poor? It, it means that it's even hard for the census to count how many homeless people are in our county. I know, you know, for many years I worked at Faith Mission. For like seven years I worked at Faith Mission. And so the census would try and find these people And they'd have to go out and about, but you wouldn't see them because they had no address, right? That's part of being homeless. You're hard to find. You're hard to see. And our lives have us moving in such a way that we don't come encounter with people who are in financial struggles, who are who are hurt. They're in hospitals. They're in nursing homes. They're uh, in different neighborhoods than us. And so they become invisible to us. And I think for the rich man who's walking past this man, he became invisible to him. He probably chose either to to cordon off that section of the gate and say, look, you can't sit there anymore. Or he decided to go through the back way. So you didn't have to look at that man. Hadn't had to think about him. Didn't have to be bothered by the hands that stick out like this. Always begging. So we have to be careful that In our world, the poor can be invisible to us because of our possessions. Does that make sense? You know, we have laws that say, in Brenham, there there are zoning laws that you can't beg in certain places in our community. Don't you wonder why we don't see anybody under the bridge begging for money? The police will come and grab them, right? The invisible poor. We We don't allow that to happen. Now, I know, I know that poverty is a complicated issue, and I know it's a complicated issue here in the U.S., especially because we have so many resources and because there's lots of opportunity. I, I, that's not lost on me, so if you're making arguments, I just, just pause. I, I hear what you're saying. But don't let that be a reason you don't care for the poor because you've written them off. Will we be a people who uses our possessions to have great friends in heaven. That was such a great, great truth last week, this shrewd manager. Will you use the things that God's given you to make friends that we will see in heaven? Will you use this little, and many of us are saying, look, I'm not like that. I don't have 
really nice underwear, you know? I'm not like that guy. I get all my stuff at Walmart, all right? I don't have purple clothes. I'm not like a peacock. That's not me. So I'm not bound by this. Oh, but we are bound by this. Even those who don't have money can be lovers of money. They love to get it. They want to have it. They feel like they aren't somebody unless they, ha- they do have something. I remember when I was in Russia, uh, and uh, when Mark and Marina here, they confirmed this, that it still happens. When you stop at a bus stop, there's all kinds of little things you can buy. Namely, the best thing is Snicker bars. And these were babushkas. These are old women who had no money and other people don't like going, who can spend money on a Snickers bar? But people were just gobbling up, they, they fly off the shelves. Why? Because there's a power in spending. Like, I'm alive, I have some control, right? Money's like that. It can, it can possess us. So we as the people of God, how can we have what we have and still be pleasing to God? We have to be good stewards. We have to hold it lightly. And we have to have eyes for those who are invisible. That means we need to go places and make our lives aware with people who are in need. When we have opportunities, when we come across people, when we have come across opportunities, we should be ready to give. We should be generous. And not just, you know, throwing a couple dollars here and there, but like, how can I bless How can I see this poor man? How how can I lift him up? How can I be a blessing to him? Why why should we do this? Why is Jesus making such a big deal about this? Right? Just let me be Jesus. I'm just trying to make it. Right? There's a sense like that. Because Jesus loves the lost. Because Jesus loves the lonely. Jesus loves to redeem broken people just like you and me. And he calls us into this great kingdom, a kingdom that's always looking for the man at the end of the gate. This kingdom that is bringing redemption to people, bringing peace to people, bringing joy. Proverbs says, When the rich man prospers, the city rejoices because we're looking for folks to bless because we know as we bless, you know what? God's going to give me even more. That's what the shrewd manager learned last time, that the more you give, the more you can give. And God puts us in a greater place of responsibility, not so that we get richer and richer and nicer clothes so that we can give more and we can participate even greater in his kingdom because that's who Jesus is. He loves the lost. He loves the lonely. He loves the broken. He loves the poor. Do you know Lazarus means, you know what that really means? In Hebrew, it means God has provided. The poor don't get an automatic pass into heaven. But those who believe God get an automatic pass to heaven. God has provided. God was in the process of providing for Lazarus. You know, and for us, God is going to use us, you and me. If you've been uh, doing the gospel project with us with the, from the little ones on up, 
We've been learning about Gideon, who is a small man who God used to do great things, insignificant, comb over accountant kind of guy in the corner. If you're an accountant, I'm sorry. This is, he was just this little guy, nobody in all of Israel. We learn about David, who is an afterthought. Seriously, an afterthought. King, that boy out there? Yes, God's going to use that little guy for great things. Because that's what God does. He uses that which is nothing for his glory. Because the last shall become first and the first shall become last. Are we getting the groove of God's kingdom here? That's how he works. So be ready to give. Give away your life. And then we'll sit, we'll sit in, in the kingdom with the disciples and with Jesus and rule for eternity. That's good news. So how might you give? Um, there, there are opportunities that come along in church. There are people that you come in contact with. There are opportunities. Be prepared even, you know, I know some of you uh, prepare by even having little uh, bags in your car ready. If you see a homeless person to give them deodorant, such and such, and and food or whatever it might be, some prepackaged stuff. I mean, that's the kind of things that we should, should be thinking about. You can also, uh, for those, that, those invisible poor, even those who are outside our city, outside our, our borders, outside in faraway places that are in, in, great, in great trouble. Like we have, uh, we partner with harvesters, Miss Diane Black. Where's Miss Diane? Where are you? There she is right over here. I want you to see Miss Diane Black. Um, she helps us connect with uh, children across uh, the world, especially those who have been um, affected by the civil wars in South Sudan. So you can actually connect with someone. This is a person outside the gate right here. And she can give you uh, one of these and you can connect directly with one of those children. Um, I, I'm not saying this is the only, this is yet another opportunity. She has, a, she has a bunch of these that you can get from her and show you a way to connect with other people uh, you know, there's uh, uh, new beginnings here in town. There's faith mission. There's a lot of great things that are happening. So be a part. Make that your life. And you will find great joy in that. It's the way to the kingdom. It's the way of the king. Let's pray.